Have you ever heard the expression, there's no there there? Well, let's ask the question, is there there there? That's our podcast from the full-service digital storytelling agency, Graphic Machine. I'm Matt Staub. I'm a partner here at Graphic Machine here with the other two partners of Graphic Machine, Brian Jones. Hello. And Patience Jones. Hello. This week, episode 63, the Collisions Edition. People talk about the virtues of living in downtown areas because there's a lot of people around and you run into people. When you run into people, you exchange ideas and you keep in touch with people. And it's not necessarily something you plan. It just happens. And that's how innovation happens. And now offices are trying to be designed that way where it's open work environments and ideas just fly around and run into each other and magic happens. How do you actually design for collisions? How do you make the most of them? Is this the right way to think about designing our lives and our spaces for idea exchange and how do you use them for your business? We have an office in a really cool neighborhood where we can go walk around and go grab lunch. Do you guys have examples of when we've had fortuitous collisions that were either good for business or inspired you or I know I'm putting you on the spot as always. I've had instances where I've run into clients at the city market, which is about a block and a half from our office where we go to get lunch, get coffee. I've run into prospective clients who then became clients walking around the neighborhood. Yeah, that's it's really highly specific. That's definitely part of the equation. You do run into people with regularity. What I've always been fascinated with is the idea of creating these collisions sort of begets a certain type of personality. The office, as it existed before this moment, was very predicated on another type of personality. I think it's kind of funny that we assume always that there's just one personality. So I guess for me, the collisions thing is how do you make it a viable way to do business for the variety of people that there are in the world? And I think that's one of the big challenges that organizations face, big or small. That was going to be one of my later questions was, does this sort of undermine or devalue the introvert who really needs the time alone where everything is going to open environments and everything is going into collaboration. I feel like the way we work, we're either colliding excessively, we're really meeting and digging into something or we're kind of really heads down. And I think for some people, they need more time recharging, you know, obviously different personalities. Sure. Point. So do you think that this is starting to change the types of workers that are valued in the modern economy? I think that it does put an emphasis on being more open and outwardly face. But I, what I think is interesting is the idea of what does it mean to be a collision in your environment? And what is a meaningful one? I think collision used in this context generally has the connotation of what it means in science, which is these two things hit each other head on and there's this spark and that spark is supposed to be the innovation or the idea or the business that can be very attractive to extroverts but to your point about introverts that's something that they would avoid at all costs they don't want that but if you think about not calling it collision and you think about it as more like a serendipitous encounter you think about things like college dining halls where you have maybe graduate teaching assistants who are very introverted, but when they get together and they're all pouring their boxes of cereal, they're talking about the different research that they're doing or a student that they have, and ideas come out of that. So I think it's not that we need a different type of person. I think it's that we need to think about what collision, the different all types the different of forms of it. Sure. Yeah. This is a reason I love Twitter so much, too. I feel like it's a digital collision medium more than any other social network in that you happen upon things as they fly by sometimes. 
it may not be someone you know or interact with well. It's not a friend in the same way a Facebook friend is. So it's more likely to be someone on the fringe of your familiarity. And you can insert yourself into a conversation and explore things and make plans or explore ideas with just a randomly assembled group of people in a way that you kind of do if you just go to the bar and you see three or four people sitting around and strike up a conversation, which is interesting to me. It very much mirrors what my experience of collisions is in a neighborhood. Well, we've seen this in a lot of places where they have tried to create this environment within their office, but having that just sort of end at the walls of your office doesn't necessarily get you the benefit of that. And to Patience's point, it's not about creating new types of personalities. Maybe the point would be to create a group sort of eating environment where there's a natural break from your work environment that you can then go and participate in a more outward engagement with other people in your office. Not everybody is well-suited for an open-plan office environment, and it can often breed a level of familiarity that can be tricky. Well, an open-plan is not synonymous with collision or desirous of collision. Oftentimes, you have offices that are either open-plan, and that's the whole collision mindset is not really there, or you have an office that is a traditional office, but they've carved out some sort of space and they've thrown a bunch of bean bags in there and they tell everybody, this is the collision space and you're going to go and collide and you're going to have amazing ideas. And if you're sitting in there and someone walks by, they're like, so what are the ideas that you have? What are you innovating? Because you're in the collision space. And that's too much pressure and it's just too forced. I think the distinction is important. I think you guys are highlighting it your witty banter, that there's a difference between collaboration and collision. Collision is sort of a serendipitous idea explosion, like you said, and collaboration is more what the open plan tries to harbor is just talking through problems together. Collisions are like different people coming from different directions and running into each other. And it's interesting too, because we work in an office building with other companies and sometimes we will literally have business walk in the door because Mm -hmm. they know this is what they do. It's like, hey, I have a project or I want to run this by you or... I'm curious about the status of this or is this a good idea or is this other person ripping me off or whatever it might be. And that's a great, to use the word synergy of our environment. This is something they've even tried to do on a city level or a neighborhood level with Tony Shea and Zappos rebuilding basically with his own money downtown Las Vegas. And it's become a little bit inauthentic and that could be a lesson learned for trying to force this. They're actually using collisions and collision density as their metric for success in building a fake downtown or rebuilding a downtown in Las Vegas to try to provide an environment that's missing there for their employees so they can attract good people. And the results have been pretty mixed in that project. I don't think it's gone as well as anyone thought, including the multiple suicides. It's kind of been a bummer. And I think it's a lesson that you can't quite force the environments in which people organically collect. They collect themselves for a reason. And that's why great neighborhoods are so lucrative. And I think the point, I don't know this, but I suspect it might be true, is that in a true collision or serendipitous encounter, you're not focused on what you're going to do in that encounter. You're not preoccupied with, I'm going to walk from here to the other end of the building and I'm going to run into somebody, I'm going to innovate something you do it while your conscious mind is distracted with something else, whether it's riding on the subway or pouring your cereal or getting the newspaper, whatever you're doing, that's when you run into the person and you start to have conversation and it's very organic and it flows. And hopefully something comes out of that, whether it's an idea, a relationship, a reference, a thought about something else that you want to embark on, 
I think that's when it's successful. Yeah, the point is kind of it's not on purpose, right? right. It's an accidental collision and it pulls something out of your mind that wasn't top of mind and maybe inspires a different idea or gets you going in a certain direction. To your point about the beanbag chairs and the traditional office space, do you think that we are too focused in businesses on the idea of programmed collisions as they were or programmed spaces for these collisions to happen? And that creates too much awareness of what you're supposed to be doing to the point that you don't end up actually doing that thing. You become almost hyper aware of it, I think. And it's less about the space and more about the culture. If your culture says you are at your desk at these hours, you have 15 minutes to go to the bathroom, you have 30 minutes to have lunch, and then you have 20 minutes of designated collision time, good luck. Like you can have 50,000 beanbags and everybody's going to be so anxiety ridden, they're never going to come up with anything good. Conversely, if you have a culture that encourages people to talk to each other, go other places, talk to other people, be curious. It's great if you have a separate space for that, but you don't need it. And there's so many personality types too, to the original point, both not just introverts and extroverts, but the old school, like measurement oriented accountants are going to be like those creatives. All they do is sit in beanbags and play ping pong all day. And for them, maybe that's an important part of their creative incubation process or their collision process. And for certain people, that's not that valuable to them. So it it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If I'm a small business owner, what could I do to participate in this or to foster this kind of activity within my organization that wouldn't necessarily feel too programmed, but then also wouldn't be nothing? I think the key to what's underlying the desired goal of collisions is curiosity. I think you have to be curious about other people, other places, other jobs, fostering that curiosity is the most important thing. So maybe once a week you have small group lunches where everybody has to share one weird thing that they learned or one new place that they went to. Maybe you do it once a month, maybe you do it once a quarter. But if you don't have that curiosity, you can be running into the most interesting people that you'll ever meet and it won't matter because you're just not inclined to talk to them. Of course, as with everything, you have to caveat it with. It depends on the type of your business. But I think just go outside, do things like break your routine, create different moments, because that's really what collisions are in the natural world is just something happens you don't expect. And if everything's hyper-programmed, then everything is expected. That's why employees go into happy hour together or walking to lunch or just being out in the community. And I think a big part of it too is where you locate your office. If the only interaction people have with the world is from their desk to the elevator to the parking garage every day, and they don't really get outside of that world, their worldview becomes narrow. And of course, I'm Mm -hmm. passionate about this as a city guy, but I think that's definitely true. And that's why you see a lot more creative companies being in urban environments where they interact. So create opportunities for people to be involved with the community and just run into people. But not literally. Yes. If <laughs> I mean, the only running into people that happens in the parking garage is with a car. So that's not don't, so good. Don't run people over with a car. So parting shot on this, what can you personally do to maximize your benefits from collisions? Aside from just going outside and being involved and meeting people, is this a different way to think about networking? Is this a different way to think about structuring your day? kind of all of the above? How do you guys think about it? You have to create a system where you check in with yourself about what you've been up to. I think you keep a journal or a list of things that you did because often in the cold light of day, you 
maybe don't recall that moment that happened and you begin to see patterns emerge of things that work for you versus things that don't and you begin to forge your own path. Even if you work within a large company, I think this is an opportunity to create maybe a new path to work, a new place to go check out after work or during lunch, whatever the case might be. You begin to journal that a little bit and then you figure out what is working on a personal level. On a business level, I think you have to create these opportunities where you're either giving out assignments where somebody's going to go out and check something out and bring back that knowledge to the group because having that be part of the culture, the sharing culture, I think is critical to both allowing people to tell a bit of a story of what they did and also encouraging other people to go do the same thing. So to Patience's previous point, nurturing curiosity and being curious. Absolutely. PJ, what do you think? Yes. All right. (laughs) Everybody has a story. Right. So I love learning what that story is. And I used to think that it was really difficult to talk to people about their story. But what I've come to appreciate is that it's actually like a little mini vacation because I'm Mm -hmm. learning all the time. I don't have to talk about myself. I'm so bored by myself. I already know my story. (laughs) So I get to learn really cool things. And I've ended up just meeting the most random people learning about the most random event just by being open to talking to whomever you encounter. It's like a million tiny Venn diagrams, you know, the overlapping Mm -hmm. circles of interest or influence or expertise that you can share. Expertise. See also our last episode (laughs) if you want to know what that means. Well played. That you identify kind of on the fly. Like, what are the things that we share? What is the value that we can provide to each other? And I always try to think when I run into a certain person, what are the questions I can ask them? And the perspective I can offer, and hopefully people are thinking the same way, but then you find out, well, where do we overlap? You build these all out there in the community on your way to lunch, and it's pretty gratifying. Well, let's hope the next segment of the show is just as gratifying. The next section of the show is out there's and there there's. Out there's are things we found on the internet or you guys shared with us that we thought were interesting and we'll share with you. And there there's are things that didn't go great and hopefully could go better. Brian, let's start with you this week. What do you have? Mine is a there, there, but it's going to take a second to get to. So Here comes the setup. <laughs> exactly. United slash, well, I guess it's just United now. Airlines is having a jet that is fueled by animal waste that will fly from oh, cool. LA to San Francisco later this summer. And the whole point is introducing the sort of biofuels initiatives. And whether or not you think that biofuels are the wave of the future, it's a there, there for me in the sense of this is United perhaps putting up a bit of a smokescreen. And I appreciate that they're trying to do something about global warming, which is great. And I think that's awesome. What is not so great is that they are doing something to fix one issue and not dealing with the horrific nature of user experience of running an airline. And I think that that's true of most of the major carriers at this point in the United States. Out there for global warming and greenhouse effects, but they're there for not addressing a core issue of the experience. So you feel like it's kind of an empty PR kind of move and they really were committed. (laughs) To say that airlines have lost their humanity is a bit of an understatement. They just are at a point where making that experience a palatable one is not a priority. I see what they're trying to do. I think they're just trying to be consistent and make every part of the experience shitty. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm fucked. See, this is the thing. So Brian and I, married, fly together frequently. Brian, you never cease to amaze me that your expectation is always at like level 10, despite the fact that every single experience is at level three. And then the expectation isn't met because it's never met anymore. And then there's the upset. 
I look at it as like my expectation is two. And so then it's either going to be on par or like only slightly better. I admire it. And also I'm a little sad. Is it just because you're such an idealist? (laughs) I think probably. I mean, I, it's the principle of the thing is that it's not supposed to work that way. It's true. It's very true. I'm with PJ. If I don't get punched in the face, it's a success, right? Like the gate agent did not light me on fire. So yeah, I, I don't actually emerge from the cabin covered in feces. <laughs> yeah, although maybe. Wait, that, maybe that's coming soon to American Airlines. <laughs> All right. <laughs> PJ, what do you have to share with us today? So kind of related on the topic of planes, not anything else. There is a activist group called Women on Waves, and they have been sending drones from Germany into Poland carrying abortion pills because Poland has one of the strictest abortion procedure regimes in the world of all the places that have legalized abortion. You can only get one your first 12 weeks, except in cases of threatening the life of the mother, in which case it has to be within 24 weeks. So if it threatens you later, (laughs) wah, wah. So they took these pills and they put them on a drone and they sent them. It's this town called Slubica, which is directly across from Frankfurt. So they sent them from Germany to Poland and the pills were intercepted by the police, but they said they are not currently able to charge the activist group or any of the women that would take the pills because of the way that the medical laws work between Poland and Germany. But I thought it was kind of a cool attention drawing thing and they were very smart about it they mapped out a space that was not controlled airspace so they made sure they weren't violating any existing rules that would allow the drone to be seized presumably this was more symbolic than it was practical yes because obviously you don't want to just start dropping (laughs) abortions for everyone you figure it out yeah Oh, sorry, I was wrong. It's illegal for a woman to have any abortion unless in the case of rape or incest, in which case it has to be done within 12 weeks. Is there a sign that the Polish government is reacting to this? Not so far. It's one town, so I imagine they're chalking it up to a stunt. But if it grows, wink, wink, then maybe So it's a municipal? They have restrictions at the municipal level for these sorts of things? It's a nationwide restriction, but the drones were only flown into the one town. Do you have a sense for the debate, the nature of the debate in Europe? Is it mostly drawn along religious lines, similarly to the way it is here? Yeah, I think especially in Poland, where there's a very strong Catholic presence, I think that it's probably rooted in religion. I don't know that for sure, but that's my guess. And these crusaders are more like women's rights activists. Yeah. The lines are drawn similarly to the way they are drawn in the debate here. Well, mine is nice and light by comparison, (laughs) as always. (laughs) I always feel so shallow after following you every week. Oh, good grief. I should go first. That is not my intention. No, it's okay. You always just have very hard-hitting topics. That's I'm the Jane Pauley of the um, Linda Ellerby. I don't know who those people are. (gasps) Oh, my God. I feel so old. Who are they? Newscasters. Linda Ellerby was this amazing, super hard-hitting journalist, and I wanted to be her when I grew up. When I was like eight, I think I got her autobiography, and I adored her. And then she did an ad for Folgers Coffee, and it broke my heart. Because she sold out? Yeah. I feel like you told that story before. I did, on this podcast. Well, that's why I've listened to this podcast before. (laughs) I'm a dedicated listener. Well, mine is actually just to recommend a cool website, which I had actually shared on our Slack channel, if you guys saw it. It's uh, twokindsofpeople.tumblr.com. And of course, I'll share that on our show page. It is just really clever illustrations showing the dichotomy of the different ways people approach the world. 
For instance, one would be a illustration of a slice of pizza with a bite taken out of the tip, and one was an illustration of a slice of pizza with a bite taken out of the crust. There is no right way to eat pizza, except there is. There totally is. <laughs> and this is the right way. So what's fun about this is there was a debate that broke out on Facebook about this very thing because people identify strongly. And each of these examples are things where you will find yourself identifying very strongly one side or the other. And for instance, one person posted the pizza one I just referenced and said, who eats their pizza backwards? And I said, no, no, no. You have to eat a bite of the crust first if you're sampling pizza for the first time because your palate is fresh and you need to touch the crust separately before you taste it with the sauce to evaluate the entire pie. You know, that is an unpopular opinion. But this is such a Brian's great... Brian's shaking his head. I know, Brian's so appalled, but this is such a good tolerance teaching tool because it prompts the discussion. Up until right now, I could not fathom why anyone would ever start with the crust, but then you explained it. That makes total sense to me. Well, and it's also wider there. So if you normalize the proportions of the pizza when you take a little bit off the edges of the crust. See, for me, it's like the handle. And if you get rid of the handle, then what do you do? <laughs> it's, it's a delicious handle. It is. It's the pizza handle. Well, there are some where I'm like, why would you do that? For instance, if in the world of tab browsing, who still opens a new window for everything that they're browsing? That's one of them. There's a lot of interesting ones. We'll post the link. It'll be fun if you guys have any strong feelings about it. Of course, cutting a sandwich diagonally, always better than cutting it down the middle. Right? No? Diagonal. Diagonal, right. We're all team Don't diagonal, cut right? It. I Di- hate cut sandwiches. What? <laughs> so there's a third category? You've totally ruined it. You can't have a dichotomy with a third option? There's no weird third it's kind option. kind of my mantra. <laughs> she is a dichotomy of 16. I am the third option of the dichotomy, She's always. Hectochotomy. I don't know. Is that possible? Can you do that? Sure, why not? Well, You're asking for, the wrong person. <laughs> for all the false choices that you have in life, you don't have to choose if you turn this off because it's about to end. That was episode <laughs> 63. That was the collisions edition. For all the things we talked about on the show today, you can check out our show page. That's at graphicmachine.com slash ITTT. Go there to find all of our past episodes as well. If you have a lot of time on your hands, there's plenty to do there. You can also check out a Facebook thread that we post for every show if you want to come and talk about the show with us. That's at facebook.com slash graphicmachineinc. Check us out on Twitter at Graphic Machine is the agency at their podcast is our show and email us with your ideas ittt at graphicmachine.com. In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.